Hi, and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Alani, and I am your host. This week's episode is awesome. I had in the hot seat Oluchi Okafo, who is a next-gen. So we unpacked her journey in her family business. She's also a customer experience consultant. She had lots of tips as to how we can future-proof the family business and also up our game in terms of improving customer experiences. So tune in and enjoy. Welcome, Oluchi. Welcome to The Connected Generation. It's great to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, cool. So you are from Multimix Academy. You're in next-gen. Can you just talk us through your journey? How did you end up working in the family business with your father? Okay, so um, I I like to think it was always in the cards, but I kind of... uh, danced around it for a bit. So I'm sure that if he had his way, it would have been a straight up from college right into the business situation. But that didn't sit very well with me. I always felt like um, I needed to be seen more as a person bringing value than as just the boss's daughter. So mm. I kind of lost it. And luckily, I was lucky enough to have gotten, you know, great gig straight out of school, which I took. And um it turned from, oh, let's do this for a couple of years and somehow I ended up spending nine years in corporate uh, Nigeria. From, really? Yes, from Guinness Nigeria PLC to Airtel Networks. So I spent about nine years between both organizations, uh, rose through the ranks, actually left Airtel um, as a manager. Mm. So, you know, at a point it started to look like it was important that there would be a proper succession and visible succession plan, not just you know, by mouth, you know, mm. think about first gen is we, we tend to realize, we tend to not realize that they're getting older mm-hmm. and getting older, they're also getting slower. So that was actually one of the major the reasons why, and I had just relocated from Portacos where I was to Lagos. I wasn't feeling the team over here. So at the point I was actually looking for another job. So I was like, okay, why not just come stay here and learn the business yourself you know as against just being um present from the distance as it were so that was actually how the conversation happened because i think what i think the particular conversation was that i had seen a job that he was being asked to help hire for with another company and i was like Mm. oh i'm interested and he's like why are you going there when you can just you know come relieve me (laughs) essentially so that was how the conversation started and that's pretty much how it happened and i found myself here and I've been here for two years now. Mm. That's very interesting. So you actually had an explicit conversation um, and oh, you yeah. made an explicit decision to join yes. the family business. Yes, yes. yes. Um, so it was clear that that's what you were you were joining. So yes. when you, you then joined the business two years ago, what challenges did you face as a next-gen? And how did you overcome these challenges? All right, the first challenge would be um, going from working in, a, in multinationals, you know, that's that kind of size issue, and then having to work with a much smaller team. I've actually had more people reporting to me. I've had over maybe 30, 40 people reporting to me in corporate before. But here mm-hmm. I have a very small team of, say, 8 to 10 people 
which you know that was a bit of an adjustment in itself. The second major one would have would be in terms of processes, because mm. I'm used to things done a certain way. You want to get this, you do a requisition, but now coming to a place where the processes are not they're there, but they're not being followed because she be I can just trek to a gas office down the road and get this. <laughs> those kind of situations. So I struggled a bit with that. Um, what I was able to do to correct that is that I started to enforce processes. Um, mm. Situations like um, KRA conversations or KPI conversations at the end of the year and mid-year had to come up. Obviously not to the liking of everybody, but these are this is how I function better. I can work mm. well in, process, in the process field environment. So I needed to convert my current environment into one that, you know, worked for me because if we didn't then I probably would not be able to function. So that was the first thing. Um, we're an educational capacity building firm and it started to be very obvious that we couldn't continue where we were because we were in an office that was not becoming of the firm. So mm. we started to get great feedback for learning but bad feedback for environments. So what I did was I basically took the feedback forms to the MD, who, or, AKA my dad. So I took them <laughs> to him and I said, we can't stay here any longer. I had had the conversation with him before, but he wasn't keen on it. Maybe mm. he's like me, I also hate moving. I don't know if anybody hates moving as much as I do. I feel like it's the most stressful thing ever. I hate it so 100. much. Yeah, <laughs> so, but <laughs> it became obvious that we needed to, and luckily being somebody that reacts to facts and the facts were there, we were able to move and we are in a much, much more comfortable, much, much better space now. So mm. that was, I think that's the third challenge. And of course, one and the major one was to try to transition into an ed tech company. Because mm. before then, everything was pretty much manual. Uh, feedback forms were paper. Everything was paper. It was just so much paper. And I was just like, no, we can't continue like this. And it was great that that happened in 2019 because guess what? 2020, 2020 came. There was no other way to function if we're yeah. not you know, being using technology. So that one year of making those changes really paid. It, it paid off. They, we were able to reap that benefit in 2020 because at that point in time, we went fully online. So the first year, which was last year, was basically getting everybody to get comfortable with the idea of technology. Very difficult, very tasking. There will be a lot of pushback, but I think we're better for it. And now we're able to survive 2020 because we had the background or the tech background to be able to do so. So those are some of the challenges and what I was able to do about that. Excellent. And you know, in navigating a number of these challenges and, you know, precipitating change, yes, exactly. you would have had to have some difficult conversations. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> you oh, know, wow. like saying to your dad, you want to bring on board KPIs for stuff that might have been there for some time. How, how did you navigate these difficult conversations? Because presumably you probably stepped on some toes in bringing about change. How did you, how did you deal with that? Well, um, I'm a former salesperson, so um, I've always been an advocate for the carrot and stick method. So I didn't just bring about a KPI system. I also brought about a reward system that is tied mm -hmm. to the KPIs, which mm -hmm. didn't exist before. So essentially what I'm saying to staff is, 
if you meet these things, you will get a share of the profits of the organization. So coming up with things like a commission structure, which wasn't there before, and then also saying that at the end of the year, if you have been on commissions, you do get to still get a bonus at the end of the year, but it will be smaller than that of people who do not get commissions because they're not in a certain department. So that way, because there was a reward tied to it, the backlash was diminished heavily. And then another key was also to make sure that I met up with my promises. Because it would have been very simple for me to come in in January, February and be like, oh, if you get it, you're gonna get money. And then December comes and I'm like, okay, so what happened was we ain't got the money, you know? Mm -hmm. That wasn't gonna go down well with a lot of people. By the time 2019 happened and mm -hmm. the promise was met, people actually went home happy. And it was Christmas time, people got more money than they expected. For this year, it's going to be a lot easier because at this point in time, you know what to expect. And you know that if you don't do the work, you don't smile on like other people. So mm. I use that carrot and stick method to be able to make sure that any changes that I'm making have an, an attendant good effect for each individual. Mm. Even things like um, uh, an AHMO plan, that wasn't existent at first. So by the time I came in basically explaining that I'm here for staff welfare, because I also double as an HR manager as well. So by the time staff starts to sense that their welfare is being um, taken care of, they somehow get more relaxed and they're less inclined to be like, who is this one we're gonna have? Yeah, yeah, big, big plans, you know. That way they actually see it affecting their lives on a daily and not just talk. So that was very important, important for me and I was very, very happy that I was able to achieve that. Excellent. And you've experienced change just from what you were saying, right? You've moved from corporate Nigeria into the family yes. business, from Port Harcourt yes. to Lagos. What skills do you think are important to be able to navigate change? I think we're all going through change in 2020 yeah. as well, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 2020 <laughs> is one massive change in itself. One massive think, change. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think um, being adaptable would be the number one thing for me. Mm. Um, my husband my, my, my and I always like to joke that we, we tend to just do these up and deep moves a little too frequently for our own group because this isn't the first time. That wasn't the first time, the fact that we moved here because I was in Port Harcourt um, when we were courting and then he was in Lagos. But somewhere along the line, before we got married, he got a job in Port Harcourt and then he just packed up and moved to Port Harcourt. <laughs> and then we got married from there, we stayed. And then by the time we had our son, that was when an opportunity arose for him in Lagos and I had to move. And then we just moved, you know. And then it was in being here with my current company at the time that now made me resign. And then so we just tend to always do that. And I think that the reason why we do it and God willing succeed at it is because we're very adaptable. So you go from Port Harcourt, no traffic or not much traffic, and then come to Lagos with all the traffic in the world, you know, and then mm -hmm. leave a big company and come to a smaller company, forget that it's a family business, it's just a smaller company and that's the truth. Or you mm -hmm. need a bigger salary and come to a small, which was my case as well. So it was just being able to adapt. Mm -hmm. And in adapting, it's um, cutting down on things that are necessary. It makes you kind of pay attention to the important things. Not like we weren't paying attention before, but they kind of got lost in, in the view. So being adaptable, being able to kind of roll with the punches, 
um, taking HD as it comes, I'm a big proponent for that. I pretty much just, if the day is bad, okay, the day is bad, it won't, it won't go into tomorrow, most definitely. Mm-hmm. So that, that has kind of been my, my way of handling it um, in terms of all the changes and the moves, and especially in 2022. Mm. Awesome. As an action, if you could address founders now and give them one <laughs> piece of advice. You know, yeah. having been working closely with your father for the last two years, what, what piece of advice would you give them? Don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid of the younger, of the second gen. I feel like a lot of first gens, and this is coming from a place of, of experience as well. Not, mm. not, I have to give it to my dad. I think he's incredibly um, open. He has a very mm. open mind. If not, to be honest with you, the company that is existing now is nothing like what was existing in the last two years. So with somebody who had a close mind, I'm not able to do half the things that I've done. Mm. But he, he has seen the, the difference. And not, not to say that I get it right all the time, but there's mm-hmm. an obvious difference. So I think that founders need to not be afraid of change. I think that's usually the core because you're, you're and then they, they, they are very attached to their businesses, which is also fine. I still had this conversation with him. Um, a couple of days ago, he sees the business as his baby. Mm. Almost maybe the child he had after me would think yeah. like that. <laughs> was like, could think like it's a separate child. <laughs> now, because of that, mm. he's extra sensitive to certain things like feedback or yeah. suggestions. So, for instance, somebody suggested to him one time ago that uh, we start a course. It was a new course. We hadn't done it before. The person just was like, it was a lot of people. I think he went to train someone. They're like, oh, if you have this course, we're going to buy it. If you have this course, we're going to all rush it. I know he came in excited and said, oh, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And we put it together, made flyers, spent money. I promise you, not a, not a soul, wow. not one person. Wow. But I had my misgivings because I'm the practical, yes, I don't have the emotional attachment he has which is sometimes a good thing because he can tighten it into his chest. And yeah, I'm like, it's not going to bring money, so I'm not interested, you know? But I let this one happen. And then not a soul subscribed. And we pretty much shut it down. And I was like, you see, that's the thing. You can't be that emotionally attached to your business. It's your child, yes, it's your baby. If somebody tells you your baby is ugly, you'll be angry. I understand it. But sometimes it's just easy for you to open your mind open yourself to change that your second gen is bringing because they're not trying to sell your company to the people you were selling it to 20, 30 years ago. They're selling it to a totally different audience. And this particular audience is a different machine in itself. They're selling to a different set of customers. I always say that customers now are very lazy. They don't want Mm -hmm. to give the finger, but you were selling to a customer that was willing to drive all the way over to your um, office to make inquiries. None of us are driving anywhere to make inquiries. If you cannot answer my question on the phone or by a chat, so how is your business? Exactly, you know. So mm-hmm. that change that they're so scared of is the change that will help their businesses actually survive into further generations, even after they're gone. Mm-hmm. So they need to just be open to change and not they shouldn't be too emotionally attached to the business. Let it let it go a little. Let the, let them have their reason make the mistakes because guess what if I sit with my dad he can tell me a million mistakes that he probably made mm. but the beauty of the next gen is that they're making their mistakes but they have you for guidance mm. as long as God leaves you on the schedule so don't be afraid of change 
that would be mm. my advice. And that's such an important piece because like our world is changing so quickly and at more exponential rates than yes, the rate of yes, change definitely. that they face in their generation, right? So that adaptability exactly. piece and being able yeah. to allow the next gen to try new ideas, test their leadership is so, 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 so apt. Yes. And you talk a lot about customer experience, right? Yes, I do. What is the difference between customer service and customer, and customer experience? Okay, so I like to say that customer service is like a subset of, you know, we did sets in Venn diagram, think of a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Customer service is just a small part of the customer experience. So service is very proactive. Service is, oh, something has gone wrong, let me try and fix it, or let me try and prevent something from going wrong. Service is very in that way, but experience is like a sum total of everything. So for instance, um, you might have very nice staff, like let's say you mm. work in a perfume store and you have very nice staff, but I walk in and I, I sense a foul smell in your store. That has affected my experience. Your service was great, but the experience mm. has been altered by something that had nothing to do with the staff. So mm. experience is like a sum total of all my interactions with your team. You, I might have great service episodes. So the point I asked you how much it was great. The point I asked for delivery it was fine. But somewhere along the line in those interactions, I might have spoken to a different person who didn't know what I was mm. talking about, who pushed me around, who told me to come back tomorrow. That will dampen the experience. So service is great. Service is fantastic. But there are other elements that make the customer excited about your business that might not necessarily be only service-based. Other mm. elements of the experience, um, the look of the store, why do people spend so much money making sure that their stores look good? It's all part of the experience. Mm. Um, the delivery speed, so you say the person is going to get it in the next 24 hours, and I mm. get it in 20. That's an that's an, that's a thumbs up for experience because you actually gave it to me sooner than you had promised. So you basically um, under-promised, over-delivered, as it were. So that is experience. So experience is the entire emotional behavior towards your brand, mm. while service is just the interactions in terms of staff or owner interacting with the customers. So that's the difference. Mm. And I mean, like from what you've described, from my experience, a lot yeah. of Nigerian businesses can do much better in this department. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. <laughs> much it's, better. It's so interesting, honestly, because um, what happened was after I joined the family business, I still create for something that is for me. So that was when I started, mm-hmm. you know, because of my history with my work, being in sales and marketing, I started to do, I said, I kind of developed a personal brand which focused on customer experience and customer service. And in my journey with a lot of SMEs, it's, it's, it's a Nigeria problem. I like. I want to say it's a general problem, but I feel like Nigeria is lagging behind, especially yeah. that with regards to service and experience. And I think it's just a situation where some some vendors are just they believe themselves a little too much, and they expect you to believe them just as much, <laughs> forgetting that there's like a ton of other people who do what you do, yeah. and this is not what what will set you apart is your service or experience levels, and not even the goods you're selling or the services you're selling. It's actually the way you're attending to your customers that will make them come back or, you know, decide on somebody else. 100, 100%. And so what are the common mistakes you see business owners making with respect to 
you know, customer experience? Okay, um, one off the bat, hiring the wrong people and they're not bothering to try to convert them to the right people. But sometimes you might hire somebody who is green, who needs work, you know, nobody expects to hire a perfect person, especially when your, your band for payment is on the lower side if you're an SME. Yeah. So you mm -hmm. hire the wrong people and then you expect magic. So there's that. The second one is that they, they project their resentments towards the customer onto their staff. I've dealt with a lot of businesses that are incredibly Sorry, resentful. Say that again. Say that again. Say that again. Project their resentment for the customer mm -hmm. onto their staff. A lot of really? businesses are very resentful of their customers. And I'll explain. Resentful, especially because they feel like customers are stressing them. Why is this person mm. stressing me? They always complain, but it's not my fault. They're just complaining. What do they expect me to do? So by the time mm. you've dealt with a couple of complaints or the same thing that starts coming over and over again, especially when, like I said, you're believing yourself a little too much. You're not doing anything to solve the problems that they're mentioning, but you're getting upset and you're getting angry. So for mm. instance, if you go to a salon and your and the lady is doing your hair and the mm. owner is somewhere and then you're complaining about something and the owner is actually like telling, maybe when you leave, say, don't mind that woman, it's useless woman. And the staff mm. is listening. Mm. And the staff feel it's okay to, you know, behave like that, you know, because after all, Madame does it. So they project that resentment onto the staff. So basically, they call, you call your customers' names, you think they're useless, you think they are stressful. Your staff is going to think the same thing and they're going to project that onto the customers as well. So there's a resentment that people have for customers, which is unnecessary. Customers are going to be difficult. Customers are going to demand more than what they pay for. That is being a customer anywhere, mm. any day. It is what it mm. is. Mm. Exactly. But it's about you now not taking it to, to heart that you now start to use unnecessary, unnecessarily negative words about people who are paying you to basically stay in business. And I think the third in terms of um, transparency and honesty, mm. most of the time, because um, all the coaches and, you know, the people who teach just stuff have told us how you need to make your product attractive for mm -hmm. social media. So you take these lovely pictures of maybe one extra perfect item. You know how it is like, like the McDonald's mm -hmm. burger doesn't look like the real McDonald's burger. So, I mean, everybody does it. But I think for smaller businesses, it's extra risky to do that because when you do that and I buy something from you and it doesn't look like you have said it well, Mm. I'm not likely to have much more to lose than McDonald's. Everybody will buy McDonald's no matter how you know horrible it looks because it's McDonald's. But you can't be an up and coming mom and pop burger store and be advertising one thing and then the thing comes and doesn't look the same. We see it all mm. the time, what I ordered versus what I got. Sometimes mm. it's more it's an honesty and transparency issue. Some people just take in pictures of the internet and put up and then the thing they have has nothing to do with the picture they picked up. So I think transparency, the first rule, if you're trying to gain customer service points, is to deliver as promised when promised. Mm. You need to get those two rights. And the truth is, some of the, some of the disputes that I see would not happen if those two things were gotten right. Because it's either an issue of, this is not what I asked for, or it came later than I wanted. Those are the two major issues that come up. So if you can sort that two out, you will say sorry a lot less. You will apologize a lot less. You will refund a lot less. So I think those three are the, the, 
basic ones that I can share right now. Mm -hmm. And so for those that want to create an excellent customer experience, what tips do you have for them? All right, the tips that I have would be obviously on doing the three things I just mentioned. So hire the right people, don't be resentful of your cost of your customers. And then um, the last thing I mentioned, which was about um, honesty and transparency. I think another thing I would mention to add to that would be that um, feedback is not the enemy. Um, people need to stop thinking that because I see you should fix this about your business, it means that it's bad. I ordered homemade mm. cookies recently from someone and cookies tasted nice, but I just gave her an extra feedback because I tinker around the open myself and I realized that her cookies were always very um, hot. They didn't flatten out, probably not enough butter or something. So I just told her that the cookies are great, but I would, it would be great if it was flatter mm. so it's easier to eat. And she was very graceful about it and said, thank you. Trust me, say that to the wrong person. They probably block you, not respond to you again. It's a mess. I've, I've tried to give feedback before. And sometimes I just keep quiet. Because a, a business that gives you feedback is a business, sorry, a person or a customer that gives you feedback is a customer that hopes to come back. Mm. If I have no intent to come back to you, I'll leave you with your hot cookies. You will see by a... But because I want to come back and I want a better experience, that's why I'm giving you the feedback. But, you know, businesses are usually very averse to it. So I think feedback is not the enemy. When you can, take it. And then also, don't ask for feedback that you won't use. Because I see a lot of people, they create Google Forms and create feedback mechanisms. And then we give you feedback and then you just kind of pack it all into the side and you don't use it. Feedback needs to be used for it to count as something. And it's not the enemy. Anybody giving you feedback is trying to actually come back to the business. That's so powerful. And I think, you know, for service-based businesses, like yes. um, it can be difficult not to internalize that feedback and not take it personal because it's it's really it's essentially you. about it's you. you. It's your personal yes, brand. Yes, yes. So it's like an attack on your person, but it's really having that um, mindset that it's not an attack on your person it's an attack on and it's not an attack for stop it's full stop exactly. yes exactly exactly I've, I've had situations and I even, even when I train for SMEs and I train their staff I keep telling them like okay um, like for instance if I'm going to tell anybody in Multimics that they shouldn't take things the wrong way I would say when the person is yelling at you or being angry you can just be like like when you're dealing with difficult customers, maybe somebody's upset with you. The person is not upset with me. The person is upset with Multimix Academy. Multimix Academy is it's an entity in mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. That way, it's almost like a separation exercise for you. So you're not internalizing those negative emotions and thinking that it's actually about you as a person. You and the person mm -hmm. is just angry with your firm. The person mm -hmm. is angry with your firm. The firm has processes in order to make sure the person is happy again. Same way you as a person would find a way to apologize to someone mm -hmm. who you might have wronged. So the firm will take care of itself. You need to take care of yourself as well and not build that. And it happened to me a lot when I was in telco. Customers will always have issues. They would yell at you. And you know, people's phones are so emotional to them. People don't want anything to go wrong with their phones. So mm -hmm. the anger is always extra. It's always <laughs> quite direct and crisp in that manner. So I, that was my method. Like, you're not angry with me. You're angry with, you're angry with the company. And I kept doing that. So I always advise that for people. So that mm -hmm. way, the feedback, no matter how harsh, kind of doesn't, you know, strike deep into the human. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very wise. 
And my last question for you, 10 years in 2030, what would you love to see? Ooh, that's a heavy one. Um, it's, it's heavy because it's, it's, I feel like I need to answer it on two, on two levels. The first mm. level would be with regards to multi-mix as an organization. Mm. I would really, really like us to be fully ed tech by then. Right now we're still baby steps, but fully ed tech, um, fully functional in terms of um, number of students needs to have quadrupled by then, alumni network that spans across the world, and a strong enough alumni that actually helps its um, new members to gain opportunities and all of that. So I have to answer that on the multi-mix side. So basically growth, um, not only in money, but growth in terms of status, in terms of connections, in terms of um, opportunities that we've been able to access within that time. Mm. But as me, <laughs> mm-hmm. because um, I don't know if you get this from a lot of second gens, I'm the kind of person that is I'm open to mm-hmm. opportunities, you know, that might not necessarily be in the family business. Not for any reason, but 10 years is a long time. And, you know, what if somebody wants me to be a minister of something? Or somewhere to go, you know? Name and claim it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so in terms of that, it would be similar in terms of, you know, more opportunities. Um, The last two years have been incredible. Um, Mm. And I know that even if I had stayed in paid employment, I would not have access to some of this uh, people that I had now have access to, like you, for instance, I probably wouldn't mm. have you know, met you, I won't be having this conversation, you know. Mm. So um, just growth, growth in people, growth in lessons, growth in opportunities. Mm. Those are the, the things that I hope for in 10 mm. years time. And I'm trying not to be specific because 10 years is such a long time. But growth, I think growth is going to be the key thing, both on a personal note and um, for the company. Amazing, amazing. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how best can they reach you? Oh, okay. So my um, social media handles, um, I'm Oluchi Okafo on LinkedIn. I'm Oluchi M. Okafo on Instagram. Uh, My email address is oluchimo at yahoo.com. So if you want to reach me, we can talk from there. And then, yeah, Multimix Academy is essentially a supply chain management training from here in Lagos, um, mm. we're dedicated to improving people's supply chain, anything logistics, supply chain, warehousing, procurement, freight forwarding, we do um, those trainings. And we're also affiliated with um, several international certification bodies like um, APEX and the Malaysia University of Science and Technology, and we're their country managers here in Nigeria. So if you're interested in that, or just to talk to me about customer service and experience, you can do that as well. Awesome. And the supply chain piece is very important with 20. Oh, yeah, very, very important. Huge Credit disruptions. Mm. A lot of disruptions, especially this year, you know, mm. it's, it's really, really huge. And um, we, we even have a summit coming up in the next um, three weeks oh, cool. mm. where we want to do it's virtual summits where we're just going to talk to some international guests and speakers. We're going to be talking about that disruption that you just mentioned, especially mm. with regards to the supply chain. But supply chain is it's the bedrock of everything. Yeah. Food deliveries, that supply chain. Even mm-hmm. this vaccine that just came out that we're very excited oh, about. Yeah. This mm-hmm. Oral supply chain in order to get it to the places where it's needed the most. So all of that will be discussed at the summit. But yeah, that's what we do here at Multimix, essentially. It's the core of everything that we do. Share the link with me. We'll put oh, it yes, in the I show, link, show notes. So if anyone wants share, to... 
Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I'll share the flyer and I'll share the registration link for the summit so that anybody who is interested in supply chain already is a, a supply chain um, a supply chain professional. This is it will be great to attend and listen to three very powerful speakers. I think I'll be moderating it as well. So I would like for everyone to join in. Awesome. It's great to have you, Luchi. Thank, Thank you, you so much. This was so fun. Thank you. I'm so glad that you invited me for this. Thank you. Awesome. I loved that conversation, unpacking Oluchi's journey as an ex-gen. And what really stood out to me was the whole piece on agility and adaptability. And we all know why that's important in 2020. We've not been living under a rock. (laughs) With the many curveballs that have been thrown at us in our businesses, but also in our personal lives. And I just love the boldness that her and her husband had in pursuing opportunities, packing up from one city and moving to the next. And um, equally, that life skill is applicable when negative situations happen to us. How, How can we, you know, bounce back emotionally, bounce back from difficult circumstances? And so that we, 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 we push on towards the future and push on towards building that life that we desire for ourselves. I also think this whole piece on customer experience is increasingly important, particularly in this 21st century world as we're all going online. We're all providing our services and goods or at least marketing them online. And how do, does one distinguish oneself from competitors? It's really through unrivaled superior customer experiences. And the 21st century customer does not buy just based on, I need a book that is yellow and has 100 pages. He or she buys based on experiences with brands, interactions with brands, interactions with the owners, um, whether that these are real interactions, real as in offline or virtual interactions. So it's really important that we think about customer experiences and the role it will play in differentiating our businesses so we can become future relevant businesses. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed that. Wish you a lovely day. And if you did enjoy that, I'd appreciate you to share the episode with a friend, leave a comment, a review and subscribe. Thank you. Take care.